Hello. Hi, how are you doing, Dr. Bryant, right, Cheyenne? Yeah, Cheyenne, Dr. Bryant, I'm good. So, um, Dr. Bryant, I know that, um, can you tell us a, a little bit about your practice and how long you've been, I guess, been a professional in your field? I'm a psychology <laughs> expert and life coach. I started off as a marriage, family, and child therapist uh, about uh, 10 years ago. So I've been in this field for a good 13 to 15. I feel like I've been saying 13 years for the last, like, four years. So I'm just going to say for about 15 years, I've been in this field. And again, started off as, as a marriage, family, child therapist uh, for a few years and transitioned over to a psychology expert and life coach so that my, uh, my approach could be more effective and it can be hybrid. Um, I always explain that therapy is uh, really good. They're both good, but uh, them by themselves, a la carte, isn't as, as effective as when you put them together and they become a hybrid. So therapy is, you know, tell me more, what's going on with your childhood? Um, what was the upbringing dynamic like? What was some of your learned behavior? And then that helps us understand why your optics are, your perception is, and your choosing is the way it is as an adult. And then coaching says, okay, cool. We got a lot of that stuff, the trauma healed. We process a lot of that. So now who do you want to be? Where do you want to go now that we have um, gotten the, the, the reason, right? And, and more of the, the cause of, of your effects of today. And then coaching says, let's go move forward. Let's get this momentum going, gas up and get you to where you want to be. And to me, they're both important. The therapy part of it is the gory part, the part people usually are avoiding and don't want to have to process, look at and come into awareness of. Um, and then the coaching part is usually where people are excited to go. But if you get therapy without coaching, you kind of sit in your stuff and you sit in your trauma and you're just stuck there. If you get coaching without therapy, then you go really far, really fast. And when you get there, um, almost everyone hits a wall that says, oh my God, I have these issues. I have these traumas that are coming up and I really can't enjoy the beauty of where I'm at. I can't find peace in all that I've accomplished because I have trauma dysfunction that has came with me. Great way to uh, explain it to everyone out here because, you know, right now you are now we're all dealing with a lot of uh, mental depression and illness due to this pandemic, which I still don't see any closure to. And speaking of which, you had an amazing book, an award-winning book called Mental Detox. Can you tell us a little bit and elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. Mental Detox was a book I wrote in 2014. It was at the, uh, the very beginning of my career. And uh, my idea was just to write a book that people can get tips and tools from that they can implement into their world that can help them detox their mind, which in return detox their entire life. And um, when you, you know, the book tells you about the different types of people that show up um, in the world and how one person can be those multiple moving parts of those different types of people, because we're not just one person, although society and oftentimes relationships and dogma and people try to put us in a box and make us the one person that they tend to resonate with most is who they want you to be and become. And so they box you in and, you know, and they say, hey, this is what works for me, which now I'm describing codependency. So I'm gonna box you in on being this type of kind person. And so you're gonna be kind all the time. And if you're not, there's a problem with you and you have an issue when we are, we have very different facets. We are a multitude of a person. And so the book talks about how we show up as these different people and um, how those different people, our personalities are like a garden, right? And we have to be able to take inventory on who that is and who's showing up. And we have to plow out what doesn't work and then plant what does work for us. And we also have to water, i.e. self-work, 
coaching, going to your sessions, the stuff that we plant and the stuff that we're keeping because an unattended garden attracts rodents and weeds. And so the work isn't about just saying, hey, what doesn't work for me? Let me get this stuff up, plowed and out. It's about what does work for me. And if it does work for me, let me water it. Let me make sure that it grows properly. If I got to put more fertilizer down there, I have to nurture it. Then I have to do what I have to do to keep this garden an oasis and make sure that it's beautiful because it's my garden and I'm the only one that has to live in it. Uh, other people just have the, the option or the opportunity or privilege to visit upon my invitation. And so it talks about those things and, and it's really uh, it's really good with uh, helping people shift up the way they think and implement new thoughts that work for them. And it's been, from people, what people say, it's been extremely life-changing for them. And, you know, of course I'm biased, I agree because I, I put my principles into that book um, that have been extremely effective for myself. I feel like you said a lot of amazing things. And I feel like a lot of us, we go to the gym, we go on these diets, we, you know, we're doing all these binge, these binging processes just to look good on the outside, but we don't take care of ourselves on the inside. And I tell a lot of friends this all the time. I'm, you know, you know, if, 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 keep a journal. If you can't reach out to, if, if, if you don't feel comfortable talking to a friend about your issues, your problems, find a professional. If you don't feel, you know, comfortable or you don't have the money or the tools, there's apps. There's ways that you can go and get a free app. There's um, your pastor at a church. Um, you know, there's so many different ways that you can get counseling. But if you don't deal with your issues in yourself, then, you know, an untended garden is going to be a mess. It's going to be full of weeds. You know, yeah. so it's like that's very interesting, particularly with your um, background in Pan-African studies. You know, a lot of African-Americans, we don't even know who we are. You know, yeah. our, our, our history and our ancestry has been surpassed and suppressed emotionally, physically, you know, just all around. I feel like a lot of African-Americans, particularly people like myself who went to Cornell and my grandfather, Joseph Laurie, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. And please, do do? OK, Cornell. OK. Right. But at the same time, you don't even know, you don't even know, I don't even know the difference between Latino and there's a white Latino and a black Latino. You know, you know, a lot of people, I found that out like when I was 19. Um, and unfortunately in today's world, you know, we're just learning who we really are. So what do you say, what are some tactics that you've been seeing that work with some of your clients on finding, um, you know, finding a sense of self? I love that question. Because I dealt a lot with sense of self with uh, on Teen Mom Family Reunion as well. That was one of the biggest challenges that they had was they lost their sense of self from being on TV their entire life as teenagers and giving birth and raising a, a child at the age of 14, 15, 16, not even knowing who the heck they are. And then they developed this TV personality and persona where they, it's not even that they lost their sense of self. Um, they never had a chance to find it, right? And so they're just now trying to create it. Um, and, and I think that the journey. And so getting journey when you, when you really figure out, I always say like in, in, in our, in, when you're in your twenties, you are saying, oh my God, right. Everyone's stupid. They're all dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, I got this and I don't know what they're talking about. When you get in your thirties, you tend to go, hold on, you know, and, and I say this with respect, but I, you know, you say, hold on, everyone's confused. Everyone's lost, including me. Okay. So where the hell do I go from here? Okay, and then I, I'm 39, I haven't reached 40s yet, so I'm not gonna talk about where I haven't been, I'm big on that. But I will say the beginning when you start to figure out that I don't know much about much or about myself, it, it becomes scary and it becomes exhausting. And that's when symptoms of depression and anxiety and adjustment disorder can start to come in because 
you are lost and you feel like you're standing on either a foundation with a lot of cracks and crevices or you're standing on no foundation. It's just sand and it keeps moving. You're trying to keep your balance and it's all over the place. And, and that's where that's the space where a lot of people tend to give up because they're saying the sand is too, too slopey. It's too slippery. And when it rains, it's a wrap. And I just have no foundation. And how do I build this thing? Right. I don't even know what it looks like. Um, and then something magical happens when you, when, when you, you, when you stay a sturdy oak, when you plant yourself, when you get tenacious, when your internal locus kicks in and you're like, listen, I don't care if the sand slides left and right. I don't care if a tsunami happens right here on the shore. I don't care if a boat, a yacht, a jet ski drives up and ends up, you know, capsizing in front of me and, and I can't get to them. They can't get to me. I'm not going nowhere until I figure this out. And that's just what it is. There's something very powerful about a person who's determined and who has a tenacity to say it ain't happening. Life not only bends, but it will break for you. And the universe and God makes room for a person who may not know where they're going, but knows that they they will not and they have committed to not stay where they are, where, they, where they're at. And so when that happens, the journey to finding self becomes the most beautiful, liberating, freeing journey you will ever experience in your entire freaking life. That's when things open up that you could have never imagined about yourself. You start to meet those moving parts and pieces I was telling you about that you didn't know exist. And you start to fall in love with who you are and all these different parts, you become enlightened, not just by people, first by yourself and that's where the magic is and then the stuff that you thought you really disliked and you really and for some people you know the word hate hated about yourself um you start to find laughter in those parts and you start to see the beauty of those as well and how they work for you and how that hammer that you've seen destroy yourself and others continuously continuously has now become the hammer that builds the very freaking empire that you have been praying and you have been asking, you have been vision, envisioning for years. And so it's all about everything that you have when you first figure out, I have this toolbox and it all looks like it's crap, right? All those tools that look like they're destroying and they're hurting and they're not working are the exact tools that you need when you do one thing, shift your perception. When you shift your perception, I always say a miracle is just a shift in perception, you start to see your hammer as something that builds, no longer destroys. You start to see your screwdriver as something that bolts things together and that unravels and so everything's falling apart. And it's just a shift in how you look at things, a shift in how you look at yourself changes your experience with other people because we see in others who we are, not who they are. And so as we can see ourself, which is finding the sense of self, finding who you are, as we start to see how beautiful and perfect, not in a narcissistic way, but in a way that this is me and to negate one piece of me is the epitome of self-hate, it's the epitome of an identity crisis, then that means that I got to love everything about me. And once I start to love everything about me, it's easier for me to love everything about you. So now that I find beauty in me, I look at you. And I'm able to, to say earlier on in, in our interview, you know what, my apologies for being a little bit tardy. Because you know what I see in you, I see in you what I see in myself. I see a compassionate man. I see a man who's forgiving. Even if that's not who you are, I can only see at the extent of what's in me, right? And so that allows me to take accountability. It allows me to be open and vulnerable with you and say, hey, you know, my bad, I apologize, you know, for being a little tardy because I'm not seeing you as being this really rigid person 
because I'm no longer that rigid woman. There was a time, there was a time, but I have worked through so many things and working through my trauma and my pain has allowed me to see people and their pain as something that um, I have compassion for, right? And even if I don't understand all the pain, I can't empathize with it all, I have a keen interest in the knowledge and knowing what that is in you that causes you to do certain things so that I can nurture, I can have compassion, I can love you through it. I cannot keyword, not personalize any of your stuff that you put on me because that's your stuff. And so finding sense of self, doing all this work, having these sessions, especially when you have someone who's a coach or, or a therapist who's extremely effective, they're gonna get you to a place to where your finding sense of self aligns you like this. See, when you have no sense of self, this is called broken. There's a huge gap between there. And so this is what people call growing pains. You're finding sense of self, you're finding sense of self, growing and it's painful. When you lock in with self, one person you being locked in is more powerful than millions who are not. There's nothing you can't do when you're right here. Alignment, this is alignment, right? And manifestation takes place at point of alignment. So as you get here, things start to flood in your blessings, things you've asked for, things you pray for, like a broken levy. It gets to the point where you are not asking whatever you believe in. I believe in God, so I don't want to project my belief onto anyone. But you get to the point where, you know, you stop asking God to hurry up because he's moving so slow because I've had those prayers too. You're moving so slow. Come on, I'm doing it all. Hurry up, move faster. So you're like, okay, you know what? I asked you to gas it. Right now, I'm not going to ask you to slow down, but I am going to ask you to send in team money, people, resources, because you are pouring in these blessings at a magnitude that I'm grateful for. But the Bible says, he says, God will pour you out blessings big enough, too big for you to receive. And that's when you're in alignment with self. And so sense of self and the self-care thing, <clears throat> it is number one on anyone's list. It should be the first seed that you plant in your garden. It should be the first thing in your garden that you water every single solitary morning but it should be the last thing that you stare at all day long going, is it growing? Is it growing? Is it growing? Because as long as you plant it, you water it, it's growing and you feel it in your choices. You feel it in your experiences and you will feel it in the people that you then start to attract. Because one more thing, and I'm gonna let you go on to your next question. Life is about attraction, not insertion. So we attract who we are. We're not inserting ourselves into anything. We could never insert ourselves into something that is not already in us that we can't fuse with and that we cannot align with it doesn't work like that we're calibrators and we calibrate and attract everything that we are we want better we got to become better wow that's so beautifully said and i feel like honestly that's where i feel like i have goosebumps right now because i feel like i'm in that space and i'm not afraid to admit that um and i feel like a lot of people are particularly men i think that's the problem the issue in our community in our society particularly in the black society in black culture we need to get past that and be, it's okay to be compassionate and to be sensitive. And we don't have to be all animalistic and, you know, machismo all the time. You know, we can cry a little bit. So, you know, I'm still grieving the, the death of both my parents in the last few years. And I haven't really gotten to terms with that either. But when you were speaking, what I noticed is that when I did gain a sense of self, just from my own personal experience and just watching Teen Mom and seeing all those women getting a sense of their self, you see it gets easier. They start to understand who they are. And then what I found is that not only are you manifesting and it's coming to fruition, you're also having a synergy. So there's a synergistic movement that you're creating within society and also all around you because like attracts like. 
So if you feel beautiful in the outside and the inside, it's going to attract people around you to come to your direction. So I felt like when you were talking, that's what I, I was like, wow, this I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. <laughs> wow, yes. And then you were talking about finding a sense of why you're here. You know, once, once you find that, once you uh, figure out like what you're about and what you stand for. And like you said, when you know what you stand for, you know, that's a whole nother world. But then I started to find out, I'm like, okay, so why am I here on this earth? So one of my cousins told me, he's like, you know, you always gaslighting people. I'm like, what? Because I'll be like, oh, Dr. Sean Bryan, you're so beautiful. I love your skin. You're glowing right now. He'll be like, you be gaslighting, you know, gaslighting. I'm like, bro, I just like to give um, compliments because I feel like when you give a compliment, I don't want a compliment in return. I just like doing it. And I love to motivate people. And I found that that's my calling. That's what I like to do. Like we have an internship program and I love to work with young people. And I love to see their minds kind of move. And I love to figure out, I, I love to help them figure out ways to get out of that mess. And so for me, it's not gaslighting. It's just, that's my purpose in life. And I thought, you know, it's not to be X, Y, and Z or be this person, that person to be doing this or that or drive this kind of car in this place. It's really about, you know, like you said, having a sense of self. But how do you, how, how do you, how, how does one, especially some of the young women on the show, like Ashley, you know, beautiful young lady, she, you know, her and Barr had these, this, this kid at an early age in this trap house, she was stripping, you know, <clears throat> that's just a lot, that's a lot going on. How, how do you, how, how does a, a person in that, in that situation, or a person like myself growing up in Detroit, you know, a no, you know, just making ends meet best they can, um, you know, struggling. How, how do we how do we do that? Oh, hey, Ashley. I think Ashley's saying. How, how do people like me and Ashley um, get through this process? How, how can, what's the easiest way that, is there five steps that you use or some tips you can give us? Absolutely. I first wanna say something about Ashley and Barr. Um, their relationship is very unique to a lot of folks outside of the black community, very familiar to the folks inside the black community. Um, they have a, a relationship that is very, very special in the way that there's a lot of unconditional love that's there because they, they, they really got it from the trenches together. They really went through, okay? They really hit bottom uh, together and have been bear crawling and scratching and really having to lean on each other as much as you know, Ashley comes off as this independent powerhouse and she's very much a powerhouse. Um, and as much as she doesn't give herself credit for leaning on bar, you know, and she often will take accountability for some of the ways that she may have emasculated him in those ways, um, they've had to lean and really nest in each other through this entire journey that they've been together. And nesting in each other is something that I have clients that are in married 30 years. I have clients that are in their fifties and their sixties, and I'm not exaggerating married for 30, 40 years that have yet to create, find the space or the nest in one another. That's something that a lot of married couples either take years to obtain or they never obtain it. That's something that Barr and Ashley do have. And they also um, have this desire to really fight for the good fight, which is love and each other, um, and not 
the the bad fight, which is um, trying to tear each other apart. Now, let me explain that because although when you see from the optics or as a viewer of the show watching, yes, oftentimes it looks like, gosh, there's a lot of tearing down that's going on. You know, there's a lot of emasculating. There's a lot of negative dysfunctional toxicity, um, a lot of venom that's coming out of watching Ashley and Barr argue. But what that is, is they've learned to fight with the wrong tools. But at the root of what they're fighting for, it is their love and it's each other. And I don't expect everyone to see that and get that. I'm expert at what I do. I've been doing this for years. And so I'm able to code things and read things and put them in spaces and, 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 and understand what someone's behavior really means. And that's the part for me that I find is most uh, ad admirable about their relationship. And, and so when you say, what does somebody do to find their way and find themselves um, and their purpose in life? Well, first of all, you can't find your purpose in life until you find yourself, right? I always say, when you find you, there goes your purpose. People are doing it backwards. They're looking for their purpose, but the pur your purpose is your authentic self. Your purpose is who you were created to be. So until you find who that person is, there is no purpose, right? So the whole purpose is your sense of self. Who is self? What lights you up? What brings you joy? What do you love doing? I happen to find what lights me up is changing people's lives, holding their hand and taking them from dark to light, showing them the beauty of who they are. I found my sense of self. How did I find that? Because I did that with myself first. And I found the beauty and the results and the peace that it brought me. And it excited me and lit me up so much. And God blessed me with people who needed it. And when I start to see myself doing and be in my space and in my zone and folks have breakthroughs and have awareness and grow and have successful marriages and, and find sense of self and align with self and get this, this quality of life that they deserve, that they've been wanting, that was my real payment and that was that was enlightening and that was magic for me right and so with people it's important to to hone out the, the dogma the outside chatter really do what sounds like selfish and, and maybe it is fine then, then go selfish with it right and really invest and hone into who the hell you are and what that looks like for you, not what box you fit in, not what mask you wear, not what costume you put on so that a person can accept you, society can love you or the relationship you're in can work. But who are you when all of that stuff is gone? What lights you up when no one else does? That means you got to break down your codependencies. Codependency is needing something or someone to be something so that you can be okay. What makes you okay without that person and without that circumstance? That's how you build that sturdy oak that you just mentioned, I described, I described earlier that says, listen, I'm a sturdy oak. I don't care what life brings to me. I'm not breaking. And sometimes I won't fold. And what I need and what I want is non-negotiable. And there's nothing in front of me, behind me, besides me, underneath me that can stop me from getting to where I want to go, even if I don't know where I'm going yet. But I know one thing I won't do. I won't break in this position. And you only get there by getting strong in who you are and knowing what you won't negotiate and knowing what you will negotiate. And the quicker and sooner you get to that, that road, which I call narrow, the Bible says, right? The Bible says narrow is the road to happiness. Wide is the road to destruction. Why is wide the road to destruction? Not because people outside of you destruct you, because you destruct yourself with this wide road of indecisiveness.
Listen, the longer it takes you to choose what does it for you, the longer you take to get into satisfaction. Narrow road. The more that I know exactly how to penetrate what works for me, the quicker I can get to what satisfies me. Sense of self is the most satisfying, the most effective, the most resultful thing a person can ever do because it tells you who you are, what you want, and what you need to top you off, cap you off, and tune you in. And that's what we are striving for, to be free in who we are and to live a great quality of life that has nothing to do with accolades, money, believe it or not, or status. It has everything to do with the peace that I have within myself, with who I am, where I'm at, and how I show up in the world. When we get that, everything else magnetized to us in ways we could only imagine. Again, that's how you find the sense of self. And hey, Ashley, and it was just talking about you and Barr. And another thing that, talking about Ashley and Barr, that Ashley does have, um, and she's finding more of that balance, is she has that balance of, she's turning more into a hybrid. And a couple of reasons why I know that is because I am a hybrid in the way that I'm gonna describe Ashley. And so it's easier for me to measure her barometer of where she is because I don't sympathize with her, I empathize with her. Meaning I've been in a lot of places that she's in. It may not be the same place, location, GPS address, but it is emotionally and it is trauma wise and it is mentally. When I say she's transitioning to a hybrid, which is the best thing you could ever be. And I'm not saying that because she's on this call. I'm saying that because I was aware of it, our first season filming. Hybrid is somebody who comes from the streets, who knows the street lingo, the street code, who knows the, 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 the pressure of the streets, the pain, the trauma, all of that. And I can, the list goes on for us who have been there, okay? Everything that comes with it. And they take themselves with no uh, role model, nothing in front of them to tell them where to go, what it looks like. Lights are off. And they navigate themselves through the darkness by touching walls, bumping into to different uh, dressers and beds and bruises. And they have that internal locus that is innate that I described that says, okay, I don't care if I bump into everything in this room. I'm finding the light switch. I'm finding the light switch. I don't care if I got to take a break and I'm in the corner at some point, I'm in tears, but I'm going to get to the light switch. She has that. Now watch this when I say transitioning into hybrid. Those folks go... And they're so determined and so tenacious when they find the light switch, everything comes on and she's still on her way to the light switch, but she ain't too far off. And when that light switch comes on, that's when they find sense of self. That's when they figure out, do I want to go get my doctorate? Which Ashley has already figured that out. Do I want to open up a business? She's done that part. What kind of wife do I really want to be? Is this really working for my husband and I, not just for me? What kind of mother do I want to represent and show up for, for my child, for my daughter? That's that's the awareness space that she's at. And a hybrid is someone who says, I understand the streets. So my high heels are always to the ground, but I've went and educated myself and got my business and got investments and built my empire and got my family and became better and made something for myself. So when you marry those two, that's what's called a powerhouse. That is what's called a powerhouse. And I'm not knocking anyone who didn't come from the streets. I say who didn't go from the hood to the hills. I'm not knocking them. And I'm not knocking anyone who, who only you know, went from hills to hills, but still was able to build their empire. I'm talking about folks who had a bear crawl to understand and to make their way to something. Success, your empire, using your hammer to build your home when your hammer used to destroy, 
when you came from something in a place where possibilities were very, very scarce, where resources were not there, it hits very differently when you get to a mountaintop and you're looking at the valley. You're not looking at the valley from a judgmental place or from a place of ego. You're looking at the valley from a place of extreme gratitude and extreme measuring barometer of where you were and where you came. And you're not just satisfied with being at that mountain. That's what makes coming from nowhere important or a low place. You're looking to the next mountain saying, all right, I did it in the dark. Now I got a little bit of light. I'm ready for the next mountain. And so that's why I say her fight looks different because everyone comes from a different place. And her fight came from how she had a fight. And now she's beautifully learning how to fight the healthy fight with her partner and her team, her husband and her family. And that's not an easy thing to learn at all, to take a tool that you've been using your whole life to do one thing and learn how to have it and make it do another thing. That's hybrid, that's emotional intelligence, that's maturity and that's everything to be admirable about. And so again, you know, we can look at people swinging and scratching and crawling um, and we can say, oh, you know, this person is just, look, look the way they fight. Or we can, well, not everybody, I'm an expert. So like myself, we can dig down to the root of their fruit. The fruit are the punches. The fruit is the venom. That's the fruit. Look down to the root. What the hell are you fighting for? What is it that you really, what's the message you're trying to get across? What, what, what is the result of this fight? And we can judge them on this. And I can tell you this, when you start to find out why people are fighting, especially folks who look like us, it'd be a different judgment, a different respect. And if you just show us, which I do every day in session with all my clients of all races, but I'm saying the black community because we are the most despaired and we are the most under-resourced. When you start to show us how to fight healthy, because we are already fighting the right fight, we're just fighting it wrong oftentimes. We're fighting it in ways that leave more scars and need more healing. When you teach us how to fight the right way, the right fight, fighting the right way aligns us. And that's when all the beauty takes place and the magic comes since the self and purpose and all your, the accolades you did want fall in, the home you did want to build falls in, the, 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 the life you always you know, wanted to, to acquire, it all just takes place because then you have the capacity to hold it. To hold it you know it's like me asking anyone on the zoom call you're actually hey go bench 475 but actually can't bench no more than two than 225 but she's been praying for 475 been praying for 475 right and just say i'm god for the sake of the conversation she beats me up as god and says you're moving too slow i ask for 475 you've been giving me 225 and i say okay let's go to the gym lay down let's bench press you want 475 and she says i didn't i didn't i pay for that okay so I put that 475 barbell on it. Not a chance that she'll survive, not a chance. So what does God do? What does the universe do? What they do is process, growth. He's getting her weight up. So when he sees, because he knows or whatever you believe in, that she can handle 475, he don't have to ask her to lay down. She's already in position, it's called preparation. And the opportunity for 475 will lay on her. And Ashley or whoever it is will do this not buckle and break. So a burden, a blessing given too soon is not a blessing at all, it's a burden.
Nice. Well, I know we have Ashley Jones. Hi, Ashley. This is Vaughn from 360 Magazine. We are here talking Hi. to, we were, um, we were talking about having a sense of self and how you and Barr had this very interesting relationship. You know, it's very tumultuous to say the least. Does any of this, what Dr. Bryant was talking to us about, does it resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, I think that my story is unique in a way like she said, me and Barr have really, really, really just been in the mud together. You know, even though I came from I came from a wealthy family, once I got pregnant, they disowned me. And all I had was Barr. Even if it's not healthy, we have learned how to fully 100% lean on each other. Like, and it is a little bit codependent because at one point in my life, that was how I was getting my strength. That was where my motivation was coming from. Um, but me and Barr, I mean, when you've been to a place where it's like, this is my last dollar, I'm going to buy you the cheeseburger and I'll figure it out tomorrow. All you can have is love for that person. So do you feel like that? Do you feel like now that you have this love for this person? Do you feel like has it manifested somewhat into some kind of codependency at times? I think that that is something that, yeah, of course we deal with because I mean, if you think about this, I got pregnant really young. I wasn't an adult. I wasn't a mom. I wasn't even a, really a woman. I learned all of that with Barr. Every step, how to be a mom, how to be the, the Ashley that I am is because of, not solely because of Barr, obviously, but the Ashley that I am is because me and Barr have went through all that we have went through together. And it does, I think, unintentionally, subconsciously create a codependency. And I think that can be healthy depending on how codependent we are. And I think that we have learned with Coach Brian and just with life that we at one point were too codependent. And I think that it's crazy that at, in the beginning, all the things that you want and that attract you um, and excite you are great. But once you kind of fight that fight and you hear and it's day in and day out, certain things that attract you and get you excited now are things that are creating your downfall. So at once that codependency was how we ate, how we lived. But now we're not there and now we can separate and we we are trying to relearn the tools to be codependent in a way that doesn't hinder our growth in our personal lives so you mentioned that you grew up uh, you know in a fluent household can you describe to people who are not familiar with the show and are familiar with your background um what type of lifestyle were you accustomed to when you were growing up in your neighborhood and what city did you grow up in absolutely so I grew up in Kensington. That is a very, very small little city in the hills of El Cerrito. We are the only black family on that road. Um, and all the homes are easily above my tax bracket. Uh, my uh, very expensive homes. So, you know, my grandfather is a professor for 40 years. My grandmother was the first black woman to work in major league sports. And my grandpa is also in the hall of fame for education. So I grew up with education. You know, we're black, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We, you know, and I was always in the room um, with Caucasian people. And I didn't understand that it was, it wasn't so much about who I am. It was about my pocketbook, you know what I'm saying? And so I grew up I, of course, I knew about racism, but I, I didn't experience it. We had money, so people tolerated us. You know what I'm saying? We weren't a part of the group, but we were definitely tolerated. I, my, I was, I've been fortunate enough to go to mainly private schools and travel across the seas, and I've done a lot. But once I got with Barr, 
my family was like, you mean to tell me we put you in private schools and flew you across the seas to come home with this? No, ma'am. And they were done with me. And it was only Barr that was there looking at me like, I got you. I don't even know what that means, but I got you. So why do you think your parents disowned you at the time? You think it was, um, or they discredited you? You think it was most, or sorry, namely because he wasn't in a certain stature, maybe? Yep. They felt, and I get it as a parent, you know, you feel like you train your kid up for what they deserve. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sure that they thought putting me in private this and private that and this and that would make, send me home with a doctor, a lawyer, you know? <laughs> and I surprised the hell out of them. They didn't accept him at first, but once they saw that Bar was always in my corner, all they could do was accept him because he wasn't that little boy from the hood that they thought he was. He was trying to be a father. He was trying to be a husband. He was trying. He didn't have all the tools, but he was trying. And you can only respect that. And so now he has their respect. Oh, that's awesome. That, that, that that's turned around for the better, especially for the child. A child needs both the parents. You know, my son's yeah having a twelve-year-old child. He's about to turn twelve, actually. I think next week, week after, maybe June twenty-six. I'll put it like that. <laughs> So basically, like, you know, it's just very interesting because what you said is a whole mouthful. I'm sure, you know, Dr. Bryant touched on it earlier. She was talking about, you know, a lot of black people and black men, we don't have dads, you know, unfortunately. I don't have a dad. I'm still waiting for my dad to take the first step. And so it might not look perfect, but Barr has never missed a beat. And for that, I can only be grateful. Sorry, because I didn't have that. And I'm still rebuilding myself. And it's so hard because I want to be the best mom, the best me, and most importantly, the best mom. And I can't do that until I'm the best me. But to be the best me, I have to let out all of my garbage and I have to sort through it and I have to deal with it. And that doesn't feel good when it's 25 years of trauma. It might look however it looks on the outside in, but Bar is my person for a reason. Because when the lights have been off, we both been in that room bumping heads. And when he finds a switch, he tags me in and we go. Or if I find the switch, I tag him in and we go. That's what I can't let go of. So what was that that fight, that internal struggle that I just saw? Because you actually pulled me in a little much, like made me emotional. But what was that what was that what was that about? Like what 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 was going on in your mind? And why were you fighting through it? Can you can you just explain explain what you were fighting through? Obviously, I was a young girl, right? I was a dancer. I was a little promiscuous. I, you know, didn't follow my curfew. You know, I did all I know who I was, right? And so I'm looking at my daughter like, Lord, I know you only put your strongest challenges on your strongest shoulders, but if my but I I need to make sure that I mean, how can I put it? The thing is, no one tells you to be careful who you have kids with until you have kids with the motherfucker. All I knew is that my daughter can't be me. As great as I think I am, and as far as I know I've come, and as bright as I know that I am, my daughter cannot be me. Because what I deal with internally is something that people can't clock externally. And I can only let that in with people who see that because I'm not confident enough to just let it out on my own, which is why Coach B was able to grab it and bring it out. That's stuff I've never even talked to a regular therapist about. And so the struggle is just, you just having a kid and having a kid young, you just never know, there's no book. And I'm trying to figure out who I am as a woman. I'm just now realizing that these 
our traumas, not just subconscious thoughts. To do that, all while to still give her the best example. Now I'm married. <laughs> so I've really got myself in a little conundrum. But I mean, the good thing is, is that every way I look, there's something pulling me to try to give, give a more vulnerable me so that my daughter doesn't have to be vulnerable in these areas. So you mentioned going to private school and prep school and all those, you know, boarding schools and whatnot. And I've been, you know, I've, I've been, I've witnessed those worlds and I've looked in the PAC behind that curtain and I noticed on the wall, it said nigger. Sometimes you grew up in a, you, I grew up in the streets of Detroit, like I said before, but at the same time, you know, I was the one person that slide by, get to school, come back home, slide back around the corner, do a three, you know, do a little, do some hooping in the backyard. But at the same time, I wasn't that basketball player. I wasn't that drug dealer. But what I was, was a scholarly person. Well, I was a hardworking person. And so I was just wondering when you were going to, you know, all these amazing schools and institutions, did you feel like you were learning about yourself back then? Did you feel like you had an inkling of who you would become? Did you, did, or do you feel like that's part of the trauma? That's part of the trauma. Part of the trauma was, I had two different extremes. My grandfather's side of the family, my, my dad's side of the family was very well off. But my mom, we lived in the hood, in the hood of East Oakland. And so when I left from the hill to the hood, I was wearing two-piece skirt sets with Mary Janes and white socks. And people was like, where your, where your Nikes at? Where is your, um? where is this, where is that? And so I found myself lying a lot. Mm -hmm. Trying to overcompensate for the fact that I wasn't hood. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't doing this. I wasn't doing that. So I found myself spilling a whole bunch of lies to try to fit in because on the hill, I was black. In the hood, I was white because my struggle couldn't relate to their struggle. I had learned that it wasn't about color. It was about struggle because even the Hispanic kids or the white kids were more in than me because I couldn't relate to the struggle. And that was traumatic for me because no one said, when I take you off this hill, you're black. So when I got there with my Mary Janes, people was fighting me, picking me, jumping on me. So that was, it was hard. And then when I went back to the hill, I'm like, well, now I know I'm black. So now I want to know what y'all think about me. <laughs> you know, so it was a constant battle. Ashley never knew who Ashley was and she still don't. But now she got a kid and a husband and I have to make it look good. That's a mental, that's a mental juggling. A lot of mental juggling going on. How are you getting through that right now? Because now you start, I think the beautifulest thing that you said so far is that you're recognizing the recognition of you understanding that you have some issues and that it's okay and that we all have issues and everybody's not perfect. Nobody's God, nobody's like the supreme being. So mm -hmm. that's great that you come to this realization at 25. So can, I think that, you know, this is great because me and you both know, you know, you're famous, you're out there. That's gotta be, a, that's probably another issue that you gotta deal with. You can't even walk down the street. People know who you are. I mean, you're very distinct. That's why I work so hard. That's why I do, you know, I do go to school. I do run my businesses because number one, appreciate this show as I really, really do, but that's not enough as for a black girl. On the show that I'm on, I don't have the luxury to sit and cry year after year after year. I got to get up and do because I'm the black girl. So I either become weak, cast it out, or I be strong. And I walk through it with my head up and I say, look, my world might be crashing, but my business, my education, and my child are pristine. And those are the things that I feel like are my saving grace on and off the camera. You know, those are my proud moments on and off the camera. 
And then real fast, I was gonna ask you, when you were um, pregnant, I just wanted to know, like, your friends, when, they, when you told, did you tell your friends, first of all, you, that were in your age group at the time? And how did they, did, were they supportive? Did you have any support from them or did they shun you as well? I hid my pregnancy until I was four or five months. I didn't tell anyone, not even my parents, not even his parents. I don't think I told anyone. I, I didn't even tell my siblings. I think my siblings just realized. <laughs> Um, because I was ashamed. I was ashamed because I know how much my parents worked to put me in a better predicament and I felt like a failure. And now I'm very proud and boastful because obviously look at my daughter. She's the light of everyone's life as far as I'm concerned. So that speaks volumes. But in the beginning, I was shameful and I, I wasn't proud of the predicament that I was in. And I wasn't proud about the fact that not only was I ashamed to my family off camera, but I was now ashamed to them on national TV. So, and if you and if you get turned back the hands of time, would you want to turn back the hands of time and not have your daughter? Or no, would you... no. The 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 Ashley that I am is solely because of Holly. I don't know where I would be or who I would be, but it would not be this person who I am right now. You know what I'm saying? She's the only reason why I even care about any of this. So, if I didn't have her. I think there would be, I think I would still be using my dad's addiction as an excuse to be a bitch and, emo and emotionally unavailable. So having your daughter gave you somewhat of a sense of purpose or some directives in life, so to speak. And I think so having my daughter made me realize that I can't love her wholly while harboring so much hate for everyone else and everything else around me. And that's what made me want to go like, okay, you know what? Which few of these chips on your shoulder are you willing to let go so that you can be start becoming a better mother or a best the best mother you can be? Fast forward into now, Holly's older, she's adorable, and then you're thinking, you know, what can I do next? I want to have this fame. How did you come up with this concept for your company? I do run a successful salon, it's an aesthetic salon, and the conception of the idea was basically I am a nursing major, I'm a nursing student. I have my undergrad classes and now I'm trying to get into a nursing program. And the idea is that I would like to become, you know, a black aesthetic specialist. We don't see a lot of black women doing fillers and, you know, cosmetic procedures, but us black women are certainly getting it. Um, and so I would like to be a um, aesthetic professional that specializes in people of color because it's just a great niche. And I decided to open up my salon so that, sorry, I guess someone's in need. Um, I decided to open up my salon so that we could build clientele and the faith of our customers and, you know, just regulars so that when I get those degrees, we can slap med spa on the name and I can start making the big books. <laughs> okay, so, you, so you're going to school for nursing right now. Yeah. What, 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 um, what, I guess what, um, what fueled that fire? come from a family of doctors my dad's side is either they're educators who who also have doctorates or they're just doctors and I just was always inspired by them I'm just inspired by you know I guess it used to be medicine and how we can save lives and how we can impact and change lives but now on the other aspect of that I'm excited and inspired about you know women who feel like me looking good and getting done by women who look like me. And I just look around and as I see makeup artists and hairstylists and even doctors, I don't see us. 
and we're certainly in need of these services too. It's a great little niche market for me to be in. And I think it's something I'm passionate about. And so it's been, you know, regular nursing will always also be something that God forbid the sky falls. I can take that credential anywhere in the world and feed my daughter. Wow. So you're going to have the skill set too for yourself. Yeah. But also feeding, you know, the healthy side of your ego because it's going to give you that, you know, less mm-hmm. being, you know, less being, be, be dependent on yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you said, you talked, you talked, you talked about offering these services for women of color because, like you said before, you know, you're on, you're on these sets and most people who do your makeup are oftentimes not your color. And so your makeup probably won't even match your skin. I'm sure you noticed that. You're like, why you put this carrot orange on me? I'll be right back. Like I'm out out of turn. So the thing is, is like, so what services that would you offer at the med spa? Would you have a doctor, you know, present like Brian? Well, the idea is I'll be the acting doctor. That's why I'm doing all this school. So I don't have to hire a doctor. I'll be the acting doctor. (laughs) And so I'm just doing it in increments, you know, as it makes sense for my life. But the idea is that I'm the acting doctor so that I don't have to hire or work underneath Um, a doctor and we're going to offer everything that you see that these girlies are getting that we don't see black women giving like you know black girls we're getting you know uh all these new procedures the injections the you know sculpture the this the that and i just want to see somebody that looks like me doing work on me because we're different our skin our features and when you're are you hoping to um and still, you know, I guess have your your daughter Holly take over your practice as it grows and thrives. Because you know it's going to be a success once you get this med spa. I can see it right now. I was geared towards this the medical career for my whole life. I don't even think that's. It might not actually be what I would have chosen to really do had everyone around me not said that that's the route to take. I love what the route I'm going, but I just wonder what my passion would be had I not been so focused on one thing and if holly comes to me and she's like mom i want to be a professional skater i'm going to be at every tournament cheering her on you know it's i i don't care what she's passionate about long as her life is full of passion that's good to know because you know a lot of parents put a lot of pressure on their kids and you already know that's the kind of pressure you had you so that's good you're breaking that cycle that ripple Mm -hmm. effect is you know it's ancestral you know unfortunately Mm -hmm. and it's good that you're breaking it is there anything that you've learned in this process now that you're in this new space? What's next for you, man? Like, what's next? What do you see yourself? I think right now I have an issue. I think I know this. I have an issue of filling my life with other things. But right now I'm taking therapy twice a week. My therapist and Coach B was the first person to ever bring this up to me. You know, I use my accolades as a way to distance from my trauma. And so one of my things that my therapist said right now is just settle in what I have. I'm just settling in what I have. I have a couple of businesses. I have, I'm a full-time mom, you know. So for once, I can honestly say that I am not quite thinking about what's next. I'm just trying to enjoy the moment and and not fill my plate with other things and leave so that I can leave room for me to handle me. Advice would you offer another young person having a baby? The best thing that I have been doing is just looking at my parents and find looking at my and this is, might sound a little bad, but looking at my parents and really thinking about all the ways that I feel they dropped the ball for me. And when I do that, that makes me get up like, hey, she has a recital today. You have to be at that recital. Or hey, you know what I'm saying? Like certain things like that. Looking at my parents' behavior and analyzing 
the moments where I felt unheard or alone or misunderstood, that helps me in my everyday parent her. Because there are situations that come up where I'm like, you know what, I need to show up. I need to be present. I need to do this or do that. Because this is a moment where I felt I didn't have that. And that's been my best way of like navigating parenting really is just pulling from every informational source I can and just hoping that I'm raising a decent human <laughs> human along the way. Right. That's the best you can do is the best you can. You have to give yourself permission. Like you said earlier, in vulnerability, that's that's first and foremost. The fact, the fact you recognize that right now is really huge for you. You should be you should give yourself a little pat on the, you know, on the shoulder and the back because like, you know, a lot of us we we tend to act like that doesn't exist. <laughs> Um, is there anything else that we didn't touch on today that you want to mention or talk about? Maybe you work within community service organizations or maybe you're working on a book. Because I, I can feel like some kind of manuscript yeah. coming on. <laughs> I am starting a nonprofit organization for young girls who get pregnant and they don't have housing or resources. Can't go into too much, but the idea is to partner with some companies to be able to provide housing and resources for these young girls who are disowned or confused and pregnant or have newborns. And so that's what I'm working on now. I think it's something that we need. I've been there. And so now been, being there and being in the opportunity to give back and help, that's that's the next project that I'm going to begin putting my um, heart into. Congratulations on that. I'm sure that's gonna be a huge <laughs> success. But the real thing is actually, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on today, but also thanks for being a, um, a leader and a role model and a martyr for young people to understand that your life seems to be going or headed in a dark place, but you can turn it around. And I feel like you're a beacon of light for a lot of people, including myself. Yeah, including myself, because we know we, we get to see you grow up. Now you you know we saw you know a lot a lot going on you know a lot going on now you like you 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 done a whole 360 <laughs> you're on you're on one side of the gamut now you're on the other and it's just really a beautiful place to see you in this space because you could have easily ended up you know just like Dr. Brian said in a low place but you decided you you know instead of sticking in that area you want to go higher and you also start listening to yourself and recognizing that. You did have a problem. You were lying to yourself. You weren't from the hood. You weren't this girl. You weren't that girl. You know? Yeah. So now you know who you are. Yeah. Um, and now you're going to school. I, I would love to keep in touch with you on your journey. And I would love to check back in with you and see how far along you, you, you come. So what year are you in your nursing program at school now? I'm not any year. I start August. I just got my Associate of Science in nursing. So I have that. Um, and I can sit. I can sit to register now, but I would like to go further and get to that doctorate. So that's why I'm doing nursing. So I start in August. Where are you going to go? I'm going to Gurnick. It's out. It's a, a like a local school out here. It's like an accelerated pace, but I think I can do it. So I am going to lean on bar. We're going to be able to work these two years out. And hopefully, you know, when you talk to me next, I'll be hosting a little Botox shindig. Come through and get some <laughs> Botox free. <laughs> Botox and burgers, right? <laughs> Botox and burgers. But thank you so much, Ash. You have such a great personality. It's like I said before, it's, it's so amazing that you share your experiences because you know a lot of us, you know, we're we didn't want we know, we're not as open and as vocal as you are, and that takes a lot of bravery and honesty. And so, thank you so much for being yourself and for being a you know just being that beacon of life for us and a pillar of support in our community. You already know because you know on the outside we look one way, but on the inside we're all torn up. So the fact that you shared it with us today. So thanks for coming through. Dr. Thanks Brian, did you want to 
Yeah, Dr. Brian, did you want to close with any remarks? Are you still here with us? She's probably I'm, I'm here. Yes. No, I just as always, you know, I'm I'm proud of all of the team moms and dads. I'm really proud of Ashley, Ashley and Barr. Um, I feel like they had a huge breakthrough um, at the family at the uh, team mom family reunion, and the fact that she didn't allow that breakthrough to just be a moment of um, a one moment thing. She actually took that breakthrough and said, "Hey, look, I'm going to continue this journey. Go get therapy. Continue to get these tools. Apply these tools, and you know." and do my thing. I think that's amazing. And uh, again, I'm just, I'm excited too to see her continue to grow into the hybrid that um, obviously she was already meant to be because I was unaware that she had that split between, and I said it before she said it, the hood and the heels, and that was her real split. And I just had read between that based on her behavior and based on, you know, me knowing uh, some of her concerns and issues. But, but, but as a little girl, she was already put in a hybrid situation and given those big shoes. And so now all she's doing is filling those and taking both of those, blending them and becoming the hybrid of the woman who gets it over here, what, what struggle looks like, or maybe the struggle looks different than the hood, but she knows struggle. And then the woman who is now an entrepreneur, a, a, a business owner, educated and all those things. But those are two things that were already given to her as a young kiddo that now, remember those tools, she's taking and actually fusing them and look at the beauty of what that what, what happens when you find who you were meant to be and she's she's growing more into it. So I'm, I'm just excited for her. And I do want folks to, whoever does hear and listen to your show, um, to take uh, mental health and to really take you know, uh, self-care and it, make that a priority because it's really important. It's life-changing. It does work when you do the work and don't procrastinate. You know, the point is just to start. If you can't afford the services with whoever you want to uh, go with, find the service somewhere that is affordable. They have free resources. And this goes from every race, every gender, every community. We're in Pride Month right now. So happy Pride Month to anyone who's listening. And for the LBGTQ plus community, make sure you as well, because you have very, very similar struggles and disparities as the Black community, find you a therapist, get to a therapist. They have resources everywhere. And just don't give up on yourself. Become a sturdy oak and you stay planted if you have no direction, but you do not fall short from where your feet are planted in. And that's what's most important. Oh, beautifully said. Thank you, um, Dr. Bryan, for you know giving us you know such you know a huge amount of time and being a resource. All those accolades and certificates behind your head. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I have to say this: with all of this behind my head, you know, I'm still just a little girl from the hood who was determined and tenacious to make it out. And I knew that uh, if it was me and someone else trying to stop me it definitely was not gonna be me. And so here I am and I still have that mindset. And as the, this wall of accolades grows and as who I am expands and all of my companies grow and expand, I still look forward to being the little girl who has her pumps, her heels. They may be Louis Vuitton now and not the swap meet, very much planted to the ground. And I will always be there to reach my hand out, to give information out, to give tools out to little girls who were like me, who grew up in the inner city, who grew up in the hood and have no sense of how in the hell do I get out of here? I have the blueprint. I will always give the blueprint. And I, I don't care how far high I go up, I'm always gonna be one that doesn't look down on people, but keeps my feet down so that we are definitely still at eye level. So I take a lot of pride and honor in doing that. Nice. And can, before we leave, can, do you have any resources offhand or any podcasts or any books? 
besides your mental detox? Do you have any other books you're working on that we might want to get into or, or a podcast we can listen to? Because, you know, a lot, a lot of people, unfortunately, if you don't spoon feed us and we're going through some mental angst, we're not going to go on Google. But I'm, you know, I will, but a lot of people don't. So can you just rattle off a few things that we can probably, you know, um, check out? Absolutely. Um, my book, Mental Detox, our audiobook will be releasing sometime very soon, hopefully within the next 30, 60 days. I do have a book, um, The ABCs to uh, Manifestation and Mental Health, that should be coming, you know, dropping pretty soon. Hopefully all this comes out this summer. I have an online school um, where I do offer different courses and classes on folks who want to understand more about depression, anxiety, um, and tools and tips, how to navigate through that. And I also have a portion of my school that shows folks who want to be like myself, a psychology expert and life coach, um, that it gives them those um, tips and tools on how to do that. And it certifies them at the end of that program. Um, I have a workshop that's coming up in Los Angeles. We will be launching that next week. And then I have a Mexico retreat that um, is going on, is already launched. It's in September 29th, I believe to October 1st is a Mexico retreat. So we have that for folks who have their passport and wanna get their passport, join us in Mexico. For those who don't have their passport or do have and don't wanna travel right now, we have a uh, workshop, a day workshop that's here in Los Angeles that'll be launching next week. And, and for those- Website at drbryant.co, it's drbryant.co, not drbryant.com. Everything else is on my social media underscore Dr. Bryant. And I say this with all humility, if you just Google Dr. Cheyenne Bryant, um, I am number one on Google. So Google me and you'll see me pop up and everything you need to know about me and resources will be there. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bryant. And thank you, Ashley, for being, you know, being here with us today. Tell Holly we say hi. Tell Bar we say what's up. You got it. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, Ash. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye.